Merry Christmas. And brr. <clears throat> I heard that this is the coldest Christmas in 40 years. And I don't have any trouble believing it. This Florida boy is not enjoying this cold Christmas. What a wonderful night this is. It's good to see you all, so many family and friends that are here. We welcome you to this service, and we're, we're glad that you've chosen tonight uh, to begin the Christmas celebration in the right way as we come to worship the Lord Jesus tonight. The air is electrified, filled with anticipation of all things Christmas, and it's a wonderful evening to be in the house of the Lord together as a family of faith, so we welcome you. And if you're visiting with us, we extend a special welcome to you and trust that if you need a church home that you'll come back in future weeks to join us here at St. Andrews. As we celebrate tonight, let me also encourage you, if you're able, to come back in the morning at 1030. Uh, we'll be having a service in which we'll be reading the Christmas story from the scriptures and singing carols together, a service of lessons and carols, and we'll, it'll help you to frame and focus the whole day uh, in the right light of this season. And I think I can confidently say that if you come, I don't think you'll regret it. I think that you'll be happy that you did. Uh, we won't have another opportunity to worship Jesus on Christmas on a Sunday for 11 years, so it's a special day indeed. Christmas is a time for giving gifts, as we all know, and we have a couple of gifts for you tonight as you're leaving. First of all, if you're visiting with us, there are some bags around every exit uh, with some information about the church, and inside there's also um, a book uh, entitled, Is Christmas Unbelievable? Please pick one of these bags up and take them with you. We'd love for you to have that and love for you to have the book. There are also stacks of these books around that anyone can take, uh, whether you're a member or a visitor uh, or a regular attender. Um, it'd be a great read over the next couple of days as you consider Christmas. Four questions everyone should ask about the world's most famous story. So grab one of those on your way out and read it over the next few days and perhaps share it with somebody that you think might benefit from that as well. One other uh, little gift that we have for everybody tonight as you're leaving is a Come Let Us Sing 2023 hymn calendar. This is put together by our uh, Worship and Arts Ministry and Media Ministry. And it's a flip calendar here with a hymn of the month. And each of those hymns will be focusing on that particular month in our corporate worship. And we'd like everybody in the church to have one of these and visitors as well. So take one of those with you tonight as you leave also. Some of you gave a gift of a poinsettia this year, purchasing those to beautify our sanctuary. So you're welcome to take those with you after the service tonight to brighten up your own home or to give as a gift to somebody that uh, might brighten their Christmas as well. So when the service concludes tonight, feel free uh, to grab a poinsettia if you purchased one and take those with you. Of course, the greatest gift of Christmas is what God gives us in his word through the power of his Holy Spirit, the word made flesh. The good news of Christmas is Jesus. So let's come away from everything else for a little while in this hour together. Set aside the thoughts of who you missed buying something for on your Christmas list, what ingredient you forgot at the grocery store. It's too late anyway at this point, so forget about all that. Give yourself the gift of being still in this moment and focusing on the birth of Jesus. Embrace his word tonight and receive the greatest gift of all. Now would you stand and join me in our call to worship from the Gospel of John, chapter 1, as we light our Advent wreath this evening. 
In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. In him was life, and the life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. He was in the world, and the world was made through him, yet the world did not know him. But to all who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God, who were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. Each week we have been lighting our Advent wreath, increasing it by one candle each week as we focus on the different attributes of the season. Tonight we light all five candles, including the center candle, which is the Christ candle, a candle that is white in color for the purity of the Savior. And in lighting this candle, we recognize his coming into the world on this Christmas night.
Let's pray. Most gracious Heavenly Father, who are we that you would send a whole host of your angels to announce such wonderful news that Christ is born? And what wonderful news that in Jesus we can be reconciled to you. Had we all the time eternally that you do, that would not be enough time to sing praises to you for the gift of Jesus. How can it be that the great God and Father of the universe, who's holy beyond measure, would give up his son to a rebellious people? And that son didn't come in war, but he came in peace. Father, what amazing love that you would not require us to rise up to you through our own goodness and through our own righteousness, but that you would send Christ to us to walk among us, to live among us with a body like ours, all so that he could give us his righteousness and his goodness. Father, for that you are to be praised. For that Christ is to be praised, and for that the Spirit also, who testifies to us this truth, you, God, are to be praised. And we cannot say that enough. Father, we love you and we praise you. And we pray all this in the name of Jesus. Amen. Let's now take our worship guides and confess together what we believe concerning this great God who gave his son to us. Using the words of the Apostles' Creed, let's confess together. I believe in God the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth. I believe in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit and born of the Virgin Mary. He suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. He descended into hell. The third day he rose again from the dead. He ascended into heaven and is seated at the right hand of God the Father Almighty. From there he will come to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. Please be seated.
pray. Father, what a gift Christ is. Such a gift we could never repay. But Father, you have given us and blessed us in many ways. So Father, take this small return of what you've given to us. Use our tithes and our offerings for your holy purposes. Father, grow your kingdom. We pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Come down from heaven 
and the world would forever be changed after the night before Christmas Johnny for painting a picture for us as we enter into the message this evening. Our scripture reading comes from the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 1, verses 18 through 25. If you'd like to follow along in a pew Bible, you can retrieve one of those in front of you and turn to page 807. And I'd invite you now, as you're able, to please stand for the reading of God's Word. Now the birth of Jesus Christ took place in this way. When his mother Mary had been betrothed to Joseph before they came together, she was found to be with child from the Holy Spirit. And her husband Joseph, being a just man and unwilling to put her to shame, resolved to divorce her quietly. But as he considered these things, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, do not fear to take Mary as your wife. For that which is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had spoken by the prophet. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which means God with us. When Joseph woke from sleep, he did as the angel of the Lord commanded him. He took his wife but knew her not until she had given birth to a son. And he called his name Jesus. This is the word of the Lord. Let's pray. Father, we are dependent upon your spirit tonight to reveal and open your word to us, to our hearts, that we might see Jesus more clearly and might become more and like him. We ask for this in Christ's name. Amen. Please be seated. Christmas is arguably the most celebrated holiday in the world. Certainly there are parts of the world that don't celebrate Christmas, people who don't celebrate, countries where perhaps it's even prohibited or illegal, and those that do have to celebrate in the quiet. But nonetheless, there's not a corner of the planet where the story of Christmas hasn't invaded in some measure and in some way. Think about it, as the earth turned today and continues to turn on this Christmas Eve, believers are gathered in churches all around the world, lighting candles, singing Christmas hymns and carols, and celebrating the birth of the Christ child. During this Advent season, we have, as a church, been looking at the scripture passages from the book of Isaiah, that speak about the coming of Jesus at this time of year. And tonight we conclude that series entitled Dawn's First Light by looking to the fulfillment of Isaiah 7.14 in the birth of Jesus 
on that first Christmas. Emmanuel comes. There's some debate as to whether Christmas actually happened on December 25th. There are good arguments that I've read on both sides of that debate. But regardless, I believe it's the perfect time to celebrate dawn's first light. Three days ago, December 21st, was the winter solstice, the darkest day of the year, the day that we have the least amount of sunshine all year long. And now, each day, there's a few more minutes of light, progressively, little by little, until we finally get to the warmth, which we really appreciate now, and the sunshine of the long summer days. What could be a better picture of Jesus coming quietly into a spiritually dark and hopeless world than to celebrate the light during the darkest days of the year, even as we anticipate and hope for more and more light in the days ahead? Did you know that every day on the planet, on average... 385,000 babies are born. It's a fairly common thing that happens in the world. And those births are incredibly important to those families. Having a baby is a life-altering, incredible experience. I highly recommend it. (laughs) Of course, I'm a man, right? So why wouldn't I? It's an amazing gift to us from our Creator, But most of us don't think a second thought about any of those 385,000 babies each and every day unless they're related to us or in relationship to us in some way or in some capacity. So why does the world celebrate the 2022nd year-old birthday of a poor carpenter's son from a tiny insignificant town in a small country of little consequence as far as the world is concerned? I mean, our whole calendar is based on this birth. Everything before B.C., before Christ, and everything after, Anno Domine, the year of our Lord. We center our whole history around this single instance of a birth of a child. Why is this birth so important? Well, have you asked yourself that question lately? Why am I celebrating this holiday? Truth be told, in the hecticness and craziness that we've made Christmas into, we probably do ask ourselves that question. Why do I put myself through this every year? But if the season is hectic and crazy, that's on us, not on what we celebrate. Jesus' disciple Matthew, the former tax collector, tells us the story of Jesus' birth from the perspective of Joseph. In Luke, we have Mary's point of view, but Here in our passage today, we see Joseph and his perspective on the story. He looks back at Isaiah's prophecy that was delivered by the angel. And he gives us at least three reasons here in the gospel that I can see that make this birth an extraordinary one. A truly unique birth worth the world celebrating. First, it was a virgin birth. Second, Mary would give birth to a son. And third, this child would have a special name. The prophecy stated that the virgin shall conceive. 
Well, a virgin birth would certainly make this an extraordinary birth. We confessed this doctrine of the Christian faith when we sang Hark the Herald Angels Sing and when we quoted the Apostles' Creed tonight. We'll finish our service with Silent Night, reinforcing it yet once again. And perhaps those of us who have been Christians for a good part of our lives just breeze right past this truth without even giving it a second thought. But this is an astounding claim. A virgin birth? It doesn't happen, you know that, right? It can't happen, short of a miracle. So we have to accept, accept something supernatural right out of the gate. And Matthew isn't vague in relaying this part of the story. He doesn't leave any room for ambiguity here or nuance. He emphasizes it five times in this short passage. He says in verse 18 that the pregnancy happened before they came together. Mary and Joseph were betrothed or engaged. In this time and culture, a betrothal was much more than our version of engagement. It was a binding contract that one couldn't just get out of by returning a ring. Legally, they were already married, but they were waiting. They were waiting for a period, usually of about a year, for the wedding feast, the celebration, the ceremony. And then they would begin living together as husband and wife and all that that would mean. Joseph understood basic biology. He knew that this child could not be his for obvious reasons. And the seriousness of this revelation that Mary was pregnant, for him met only one response, a divorce, a severing of the marriage contract. And this, of course, would have been a huge scandal of devastating and destructive consequences for, for a young girl like Mary. And her life would have been over. That's why Joseph, who was a good man, we're told here, a just man, wanted to do this quietly and out of the public court system. He loved Mary and wanted to value her as best he could in that way. But then an angel of the Lord intervened. A messenger from God appears to Joseph in a dream and tells him that everything's okay. Mary hasn't been unfaithful to you. Your love, your devotion is still intact. You don't need to turn her out, Joseph. The baby inside her was conceived by the Holy Spirit. Well, this is certainly extraordinary. Impossible from a human perspective. But it was good news, in any case, about Mary's faithfulness to Joseph. Then the angel explains that all of this is a fulfillment of a prophecy in the book of Isaiah in chapter 7, that a virgin shall conceive. And if Matthew hasn't emphasized the point enough, he finishes by saying in verse 25 that all of this had happened. Joseph, stand-up guy that he was, that he did indeed believe the angel and took Mary as his wife. But he knew her not until she had given birth to her son. The historic claim then about Jesus, a figure that in every serious historian, whether they believe God or don't believe in the Bible, they acknowledge that he existed in the first century A.D. as a person 
And so the historic claim here is that his was a virgin birth. And if you celebrate Christmas, then you've got to grapple with that truth and that reality. The next thing Matthew emphasizes is that Mary was going to give birth to a son. He mentions this three times in the passage. Well, that's not so extraordinary. It's usually a 50-50 sort of gamble, right? But this wasn't an ordinary son. This was the fulfillment of the son Isaiah prophesied about when he said, for to us a child is born, to us a son is given. And the government shall be upon his shoulder, and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the increase of his government and of peace, there will be no end. Well, Mary and Joseph would go on to have other children, sons and daughters, brothers and sisters of Jesus, but none like this one. The promised son of the Most High God, born of the Holy Spirit, and given to us. A son who can handle governing the whole universe. A son who possesses perfect and divine wisdom. A son who is filled with the power of God himself. A son who is eternal in his existence. And a son who brings the peace of paradise back to a broken world. A son of man. A son of God. There is only one son of God. And he was born in the flesh on this night that we celebrate. I'd say that's pretty extraordinary. Finally, Matthew tells us the child's name as delivered by the angel. Naming a child's a pretty big deal. Some people spend lots of time agonizing over what to name their children. They break out name books and go through them, they search the internet, they look into the meanings of names, they, they scour their ancestry to find family names that they might be interested in. Perhaps they look to a, somebody who's a hero to them in the culture. But naming is a very important thing that parents do. Names often had direct connection to a person's character, personality, or future in the Bible. There are other accounts in the Bible where God instructs parents what to name their child. This isn't the only time that happened. In fact, Isaiah himself was told how to name his two sons. What a great joy and privilege it is for parents to be able to name their children. But Mary and Joseph didn't get to do that with Jesus. That prerogative belonged to God because this was his only son. And God gave his son a name that spoke about his life's work. Matthew seems to give us two names of God's son, I suppose you noticed. So which is it, Jesus or Emmanuel? Emmanuel seems to be more of a descriptor or something that Jesus would be known as or known by rather than the proper name of Jesus that he was named the two names are very much related to one another, however. Jesus, Joshua in the Hebrew, was a fairly common name in Jesus' day. It means God saves, Yahweh saves. And Emmanuel means God with us. The only way God could save us 
was to come to us. He had to become one of us. He had to work out a way to be Emmanuel, God with us, in order to fulfill the name Jesus, God saves. So God himself and the person of his son, the second person of the Trinity, became Emmanuel, God with us, so that he might be our salvation, our Jesus. Later, of course, Jesus would also be known as the Christ. Jesus Christ, or Christ Jesus, the anointed one of God who saves. Jesus may have been a pretty common name, but there's only been one who fulfilled the name. And there is only one who can claim to be Emmanuel. The birth of God with us and the birth of God's salvation certainly make this an extraordinary birthday. So these are three significant aspects of the birth of Jesus. They are extraordinary, and perhaps they do give the world a good reason to celebrate his birth on this day. But how does that affect me? What does that mean to me, that this one was born some 2,000 years ago to a virgin and was named Jesus? Does it really matter in my life? And what about the day after tomorrow, when the celebrating's over and the birthday party is finished? Then what? Well, these questions drill down a bit to the heart of the matter, don't they? Every year, most of us celebrate our birthday. We do. Because we see it as the beginning of our lives. This is when we were born, the foundation of who we are. It's the anniversary of the day that we were given life. So, of course, we celebrate it. It's our day. Some of us celebrate it for a whole month, even like we do Christmas. Everyone who celebrates our birthday with us is there to celebrate us in that moment. They're looking at it from the perspective of an outsider, really. I mean, it's our birthday, after all. I think for most of the Christian world out there, that's what Christmas is. The celebration for most is from the outside looking in. We acknowledge that Jesus was born and that his was an extraordinary birthday. We decorate and begin what is at least a month-long celebration. We give one another gifts in honor of him. We have a big party with plenty of food, maybe birthday cake, really good desserts anyway. We sing lots of birthday songs about Jesus. But the call to celebrate Jesus' birthday is much more than that. We're not called to celebrate Christmas from the outside looking in. We're called to enter into Christmas with every part of who we are. To celebrate Christmas means to accept the claims that God has upon our lives and to fully embrace them. For the coming of Emmanuel tore down the barrier of sin between God and his people. For God is not far removed from his creation. He is Emmanuel, God with us. 
when we could not go to him because of our brokenness and our sin, he came to us. When we were running away, headlong, away from him, he pursued us as the good shepherd going after the lost sheep. When we're at the end of ourselves, at the end of our rope, he reaches into the darkness and pulls us up into the light. In Charles Dickens' seasonal classic, A Christmas Carol, we see Ebenezer Scrooge, hard-hearted old miser, whose only reaction to Christmas is, is what? Bah humbug. He travels through Christmas past, present, and future, guided by three ghosts on that one night. And on each journey, he is given a glimpse of the Christmas festivities and events in his life and in the lives of those around him. But Scrooge, in this, is looking at Christmas from the outside in. He's not actually a part of those scenes. He's only an observer. And he's filled with remorse and guilt of missed opportunities, of past regrets and a future fear. At the end of these encounters, he's given the chance to celebrate Christmas in his heart. Ebenezer finally embraces Christmas, and at that point, he's no longer a spectator in a dream. Rather, he enters into Christmas in all of its hope, peace, joy, and love. What about you? Have you entered in, are you a, or are you a spectator of Christmas? Enjoying all of the festivities, presents, feasting, friends, and family, and merriment, but at the end of it all, still empty, disillusioned, joyless? Or have you embraced Jesus, the God who saves? Is he your Emmanuel? Is he with you always? It's very interesting to me how Matthew bookends his gospel. The very last words in the book are from the lips of Jesus to his followers just before he ascends back to heaven. The story of Jesus' life on earth ends just as it began. He was born Emmanuel, God with us, and he left saying, Behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. Jesus finishes work on earth by giving his people the promise to be our forever Emmanuel. Many sadly believe that there's enough Jesus at Christmas time to satisfy them for the new year. But Jesus didn't come for us to celebrate his birthday once a year. He came to invade our lives with Christmas and to save us from our sins. Jesus entered into our pain and darkness so we wouldn't have to be on the outside looking in like Ebenezer Scrooge. He died on the cross, sacrificing himself for us so he could be in relationship with us forever. Remember, Isaiah prophesied, to us a child is born, to us a son is given. Jesus wasn't born for himself 
He wasn't born for Mary and Joseph. He wasn't born for his community. He was born for us. He was given to us. Jesus said that very thing about himself to a man named Nicodemus in John chapter 3. He said, God so loved the world that he gave his only son, that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through him. The angel's message to Joseph was this. You shall call his name Jesus. Why? For he will save his people from their sins. Have you received Jesus? Have you embraced Emmanuel? Have you confessed him as your Lord and Savior? In 1 John chapter 4 we read, In this... The love of God was made manifest among us. There's that idea of Emmanuel, God with us. The love of God was made manifest among us, that God sent his only son into the world so that we might live through him. In this is love, not that we have loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be, and here's a big word, the propitiation or atonement for our sins. Jesus came to atone for all of the guilt, to atone for all of the darkness, to atone for all of the inner sin of the heart and our actions that we regret. It's very likely that you're going to unwrap some gifts over the next 24 hours, I would bet. Maybe a lot. There's no greater gift for you to receive this Christmas than the gift of salvation. And if you already possess possess this gift of eternal life, then give thanks for it and rejoice that the hope, peace, joy, and love of this season are with you, not just tonight and tomorrow, but every day of your life and forever. Thank Jesus for saving you. Commit your life to him anew. Follow him in faith and obedience like Joseph did that night. Tell others of the hope that is in you as the angels did that night in Bethlehem. Make this Christmas an extraordinary one by allowing all of the traditions, all of the events, all of the celebrating over the next 24 hours lead you to the God who saves who is with us, Jesus, our Emmanuel. Let's pray. Oh, Father, how can we express our gratitude? How can we begin to thank you and to tell you how appreciative we are that you have sent your son, the Lord Jesus, Emmanuel, to save us and to be with us. And so, Lord, as we enter into this Christmas tonight and tomorrow, would that be ever-present in our minds? And would we rejoice in you and give thanks to you? 
And would we tell others about this glorious truth? We pray this in Christ's name. Amen.